Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Rydelman. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible, and as well as academic dean at Moody Bible Institute. And this is Moody Radio's Bible study across America. It's where Moody answers your questions about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life. If you have a question, give me a call. The phone number is 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. You can also post your question by going to openlineradio.org. Click on the link that says Ask Michael a Question. Fill out the form and your question will be added to the mailbag. But before we get back to the phones, let me tell you about our current resource. Uh, obviously, we need to read and study God's Word, but at times it can be a challenge. People sometimes say, well, I try to read the Bible. I'm having trouble getting something out of it. Well, that's why Colin Smith, pastor of the, the Orchard in Arlington Heights, wrote 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible. It's a small book that gives the big picture of how to read the Bible. It helps us unlock a deeper understanding of the scriptures. I guarantee you read this book, you'll get more time, more out of your time in the Word. It's really a helpful guide so that you can read the Bible and get more out of it. It's yours when you give a gift of any size to Open Line. All you have to do is give a gift and we'll send it to you. It's just a way for us to say thanks so much for your generosity. We really appreciate it. We want to send you this book. So call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, make sure to ask for 10 keys for unlocking the Bible. Now, I got a, a text. Now, you may have listened last week to Chris Fabry, and a friend of mine from Israel was a guest I had recommended. She's a, a guide in Israel. She's been my friend now for 39 years. I think it was, uh, no, more than that, uh, 42 years. We, I'm counting up. It was 1981 that we met. She was actually a translator for me uh, at a conference I was speaking at in Israel. And that's how we met. She then became a guide in, uh, her name is Shira Hapaz Pomerantz. I guess I can give her name because she was on Fabry. She, was, uh, a, she is a guide in Israel, but she started as a guide for the Israel Defense Forces, showing soldiers around the country. Uh, she's one of our dearest friends for Eva and me, and uh, she sent in a question, so I thought, I'm going to just answer her question. She says, what are your thoughts about Amos 1, 6 through 8? Is it relevant to what's happening now in Gaza, or is it about the past only? When did they deport and deliver a population to Edom? So here's what it says in 1, 6 through 8. The Lord says, I will not relent from punishing Gaza for three crimes, even four, because they exiled a whole community, handing them over to Edom. Therefore, I will send fire against the walls of Gaza and it will consume its citadels. But notice what he also says, I will cut off the ruler from Ashdod, Ashdod, as you would say in English, and the one who wields the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remainder of the Philistines will perish. The Lord God has spoken. Now, I think that this, first of all, is a past event. I think that the Moody Bible commentary has some really good words about this, and it describes when these things happened. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just turn to that 
And uh, Shira, I know I've given you a copy of the Moody Commentary. You need to take a look at that. It says, uh, Gaza, a chief city of Philistia, received the Lord's judgment because of their having deported an entire population or people at peace to Edom as slaves. And he says, during, this is uh, John Jelenic, now with the Lord, just passed away uh, recently. Uh, during Jehoram's reign, uh, the Philistines and the Arabs plundered the temple and sold the people into slavery. See Second Chronicles 21, verses 16 and 17. Uh, and the, the divine image had assured human dignity, yet the Philistines treated people as commodities for profit. The Lord vowed to destroy the Philistine power centers, and he mentions all those cities. Four of the five major cities of Philistia are indicted, ex- indicted except Gath, a town that already had fallen. And he goes on to say that the Philistines disappeared during the the time of Alexander the Great and afterwards in the Maccabean period. So uh, that's when it happened. Now, I'm going to say something else, and this is a principle that the rabbis had. The past prefigures the future. When God judges the nations for their oppression of Israel, it will prefigure what will happen at the end of days. The nations will gather against Israel, and God will then bring deliverance to Israel at that time. So in a sense, we need to look at that as the past, as prefiguring the future. But no, it is not a direct prophecy about Gaza. It's about the Philistines who lived in Gaza at one time. I hope that that helps. Uh, Now, uh, we're going to take a call. Uh, We're going to speak with Shane in Farmington, New Mexico. Uh, glad you're listening, Shane. How can I help you today? Oh, good morning, Mike. Thank you for your service to Christian Radio. You're a big deal. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, my question is: When Adam walked in the cool of the garden with our gracious Lord, what tongue do you think they were speaking? Because I know the power and authority of the, the Hebrew tongue. Just as a steward of my little creatures, when I speak over them. Fascinating, beautiful thing. <laughs> well, let, let me just say, it probably was Hebrew because that's the language it was written in. I, don't, I really don't know. But uh, I suppose that uh, since the, it just seems to me that I think that the Garden of Eden was not in Babylon, as some people have conjectured. I think it was in the land of Israel. And very likely it was some sort of language like Hebrew, if not Hebrew itself. I don't know. But, you know, if, if right. I'm wrong, I... Uh, let me just say, if I'm wrong, I'm not going to be surprised. There's a lot of things I'm going to get straightened out on uh, someday. I, I, I'm worried about that day when I stand before the Lord and he rolls out a big scroll and says, these are all the things you said on uh, on open line, and let me straighten you out now. I, so, but, but uh, that, you know, that's so good. I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the reason I say that is because I'm, you know, I'm a good steward of all these little beautiful creatures I have, and I do know when I speak Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom upon them, and my hands are on them, it does something. It stirs something inside. Well, then, yeah. I follow yeah, well, up again and thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks for your so, call. I appreciate it, Shane. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, we're gonna speak next with uh, Wendy in Davie, Florida. 
Welcome to Open Line, Wendy. How can I help you? Good morning, Dr. Rizalnik. It's great to hear you. Um, you. Am, am I clear? I, I can't tell. I've never called you. You sound before, great. But you sound great. Okay on your end? Perfect. Yeah. It's kind of funny. My dog is in the car with me, and she just barked when the past caller was talking about the creatures, so that uh-huh. made me laugh a little bit. She's next to me. Anyway, I called in to ask, how would you respond to another Christian who, it's hard for me to even say this because I'm shocked at, at this kind of theology, but a Christian who is sympathetic with anti-Zionists and uses the fact that the New Testament says, you know, we're under grace, we're all one, without really recognizing that the Bible does say they are chosen and that, you know, they're the apple of God's eye. Mm-hmm. How can I respond to that, um, you know, while still responding in love? Because I, yeah. it does hurt me personally. I'm half Jewish, and, you know, obviously that's, that's hard for me to hear. But I, I yeah. realize the news cycles are affecting people, and they're buying into a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you recommend is a Christian First of all, response to people? Wendy, I'm going to tell you what I think you should never say about yourself again, is that you're half Jewish. Do you know why? There's no why? such thing as someone being half Jewish. Which half what? of you is Jewish? You are Jewish. If you have a Jewish parent, you are Jewish. So It uh, is my me... father, and my grandfather came during the pogroms. They, they yeah. immigrated from Russia. So, you, so you're a Jewish girl. Don't... don't... Don't for a second say you're not Jewish, okay? Or only half. Praise God. Uh, and the reason Thank I say you. that, think think about it with uh, with Ruth, the Moabitess, and she marries Boaz, and then they have Obed. Was he Jewish? Yeah, he wasn't Jewish. He wasn't half Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Timothy, uh, when he had a Gentile father and a Jewish mother, Paul goes ahead and has him circumcised in Acts 15, but he would never circumcise a Gentile. He would only circumcise a Jewish believer. So, uh, you know, wow. I, uh, let me just say, you're Jewish, okay? That's something important for you to remember. So it doesn't uh, matter which but I pre- parent, because I, I've always heard if it's the mother, you know. Yeah, that's that's a late rabbinic thing, and listen, uh, I don't, I, I love rabbis. They're wonderful to me, and, and I don't, have any hostility about that, but I do know that they don't agree with me. I don't agree with them about their assessment of Jesus, that he's not the Messiah. If I won't let them determine who the Messiah is, why should I let them determine who's Jewish? The Bible teaches that that either father or mother makes you Jewish. Secondly, and and this this is important, I agree with you 100% uh, that this is heartbreaking. Now, there are brothers and sisters that can sometimes get a little too hostile about this issue. I got to say, uh, they get really mad. But one of the verses, and and there's a lot more to be said about this, but one of the verses I go to all the time, and this is where, if we can get this down, we're good, okay? Uh, Romans 11, chapter 20, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 28, here's what it says. Regarding the gospel, and speaking about the Jewish people, regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage. What does that mean? They are not enemies of God. They are enemies of the gospel or opposed to the gospel. And it's for the advantage of Gentiles because now the gospel has gone out to the Gentiles, right? But then it says regarding election, which is just a big word for chosenness. Regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarch. So what is God saying? He's saying they remain chosen 
And love, love's always the word, language of choice. You know, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. So regarding chosenness, they remain loved because of the patriarchs. And then he says, and God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. And so it's saying that this, this special status, even in unbelief about Jesus, being opposed to the gospel, that status as the chosen, beloved people of God never changes. That doesn't mean people are saved by that. They need to put their trust in Jesus. But that special national status remains. It says in Romans 9, 4, when it says the gifts and calling of God in Romans eleven twenty nine are irrevocable, what's he talking about? In Romans 9, 4, it says they are Israelites and to them belong, not used to belong, but still belong. It's all present tense here. The adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The promises include the land promise. The ancestors are theirs. The, The fathers are theirs. And from them, by physical descent, came the Messiah, who is God over all. Praised forever. Amen. Don't ever forget that not only is God faithful to keeping his promises to the Jewish people, but the most important promises, he sent the Messiah, Jesus, who is the king of the Jewish people. And uh, we are related to the king of the Jews by faith. So uh, that's, that's what I would just say. Uh, get those passages down, uh, Romans eleven twenty eight and 29, Romans 9, 4, and 5, and then uh, t- agree to graciously disagree if they won't hear you. Okay? Okay, and Dr. Rydalnik, is that the same verse that says with the callings are without repentance? Is that the same uh, that's verse we're referring to? That's the King to? James Version, but the, the okay, modern English is okay. say they're not, they're irrevocable. Okay? Okay, okay, perfect. Hey. Thank you so much for taking my yeah. call. Sure, thanks so much for calling, Wendy. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about more of your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. The phone number here, 877-548-3675. It's a great time to talk about God's Word on Saturday morning together. We're having a great time. And so keep listening. We're going to be right back just after a couple of words. This is Michael Rydelnik. You're listening to Open Lines. Stay right there. More coming up straight ahead. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Rydelnik, and uh, I'm so glad that you are listening in today. And we're talking about all the, uh, a lot of questions about Israel and things. Obviously, it's on our minds. I'm really grateful to God that, uh, that you're asking and I'm being able to answer. Uh, I do want to mention that if you care about Israel, you might want to get this book from Chosen People Ministries. It's one of our underwriters. Chosen People Ministries brings the gospel to Jewish people all around the globe, and they have this book about Israel. It's a coffee table book. It's got great photographs of Israel. It's photos of Israel that will just stir your heart and give you a real heart for the the people of Israel and help you pray for the people of Israel. It's a wonderful resource for you, and, and I think you'll really enjoy looking at it, and it'll be a great prayer reminder for you. And uh, if you want to get a copy of the Photos of Israel book, all you have to do is go to our website, openlineradio.org. And what you do is uh, 
scroll down, there's a link there that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your free copy of the Photos of Israel book. I think you're going to really love it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's something you can put out and look at and enjoy, and, and it'll be a great prayer prompt for you as well. Well, we're going to go right back to the phones now. We're going to talk with uh, Wendy. Oh, spoke with Wendy already. We're going to speak with Ro- Ruth in Bradenton, Florida, listening on WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Ruth. How can I help you today? Good morning. I have been contemplating uh, much of what's been said about Israel. And yes, I do believe that they belong there. It's God's name is written on the in Jerusalem. And one day we will all be living there. And that's what I'm looking <laughs> forward to. Yeah. But in the meantime, I do have a very important question that I've not heard anybody address yet. Going all the way back to when God commanded Joshua and those armies he uh, was over to come into the land, there were many people groups already there that they were commanded to destroy completely because of the reality of the idols that were there, the mm-hmm. intermingling, etc. So my question is, how do does one who believes that Israel should be there and will be there forever um, explain that they did not come in and occupy, as people Mm -hmm. keep saying they are occupiers today, going back and looking at Scripture about that. Yeah, they don't really mean, uh, when they talk about the occupation, they're not talking about Scripture. They're not talking about Joshua's conquest. They're talking about the modern return to the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ba- back in 1882, we we have what's called the first Aliyah, or the first immigration wave to Israel. Now, there's always been a Jewish presence in the land. There's no question. There's always been a Jewish presence. But Ezekiel 37 talks about the dry bones. You know the, the dry bones the, the, where it talks about that there's a valley of dry bones, and then Ezekiel mm-hmm. sees a vision, and it says that first that there were sinew put on the bones, and then uh, there was uh, like muscle and uh, cartilage and all those things come on it, and then flesh and finally skin, but they're still dead. And then finally the breath of life is blown into them. And it, mm. it says, these bones are the house of Israel, and God promises Ezekiel he's going to bring them back from all the lands where they were scattered. Well, there's two yes. principles I learned from that. One is that the return of the Jewish people will be in process before they believe in Jesus. In fact, they will only ultimately as a nation believe in Jesus once they're in the land. So that's one thing. And the second is that God said he would bring the people back from the lands where they were scattered and it would happen in stages. The the bones connect, the sinews comes on it, the flesh, the skin, and finally the breath of life. So it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. instantaneously. It's a process. Mm -hmm. It's it's Mm -hmm. stages. And so... Uh, what we see is the first immigration wave back in 1882, and it continues, uh, you know, really for the last 150 years or so, uh, 140 years uh, of stages of, of, of immigration waves to the land of Israel. The last one being Russian Jews in the 1990s, about a million and a half came. So the, the reason I mention this is uh, that's what they say is occupation. Uh, not 
uh, it's that modern rest- restoration. However, there's always been a Jewish presence in the land. The world, the, the land was underpopulated. Jewish people came and rebuilt the land. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they didn't displace anyone. Uh, they, uh, the other thing about uh, the land is that uh, it was partitioned. The Jewish people accepted the Jewish side of the partition by the by the United Nations. Unfortunately, the Palestinians didn't. In fact, they have rejected every two-state solution in 2000, in 2008, in 2014, all going back to 1937 and 1947. They've always rejected partition of the land. Uh, mm. So uh, it's 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 really clear that this is not an occupation. Uh, even the the people that complain about settlements in the West Bank, well, the the West Bank is disputed territory right now. It's not clear where the boundary should be. I'm not sure it's always wise to do that, but nevertheless, uh, it is clearly not against international law uh, because it is disputed territory. So there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, I think that uh, you would be encouraged... In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a copy of the book, Understanding the Arab-Israeli Conflict, What oh, the Headlines Haven't Told You. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it, I, I'll, I'll confess to you, it's, it's you know, 15 years since I last updated it. Uh, it's, it's uh, how do I put it? It's, it's got some dated things. All the stuff going on with Gaza recently and even the last 10 years yeah. aren't included in it. However, uh, it will give you the background that you need. Uh, it has enough history and prophecy in it that I think it'll really help you. And here's one of the most important verses. Uh, I think this is interesting. It says in Jeremiah 7, 7, here's the verse. It says, uh, I will allow you to live in this place, the land I gave to your fathers long ago and forever. And the phrase long ago and forever is min alom olam, oh, sorry, min olam va'adolam. Uh, and the, what minolam va'adola means, it's we see in the Bible all over the place. You've ever seen the expression from everlasting to everlasting? You've seen that, haven't you? Yes, definitely. Yes. It's always used of the character and nature of God. God is from everlasting to everlasting. His praise is from everlasting to everlasting. It's an expression used exclusively of God. The only place where it's used here in Jeremiah 7, 7, in Jeremiah 25.5, it's used of God's gift of the land of Israel to the people of Israel. And what that means is no matter whether the Jewish people are present in the land you know, or back, it's always their land. They always hold title to the land of Israel, according to the scriptures. It's the strongest way of saying eternal in the, in the Hebrew Bible. It is God's gift of the land of Israel to the people forever and ever. That's what it means. Okay. So, okay. okay? Fabulous. So. That's, that's very helpful. I just want to make yeah. sure that people yeah. understand that yeah. this history that yeah. you're talking yeah. about. Now, here's what you have to do, Ruth. You hang on, and Gabby is there. She's going to get your address. We'll send you a copy of Understanding the Arab-Israeli Conflict. Okay? Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you so much. I appreciate yep. it. Be sure. blessed. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk with Scott in Central Florida right now, listening to WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Scott. How can I help you? Hi, thank you. Hey, thank, 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 thank for having me on here. Hey, uh, I, I had a question. Uh, 
one of the people that, that you're talking with, they were, they were talking about uh, the Jewish people of Israel. I mean, that's kind of the topic. Um, they're talking about kind of, kind of, kind of like, like, like she's half Jewish, but full Jewish kind of thing. And, uh, yeah. What's I your, just go ahead with your question. Kids. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, revelations, uh, revelations three, nine, uh, speaks about, um, how true, uh, let me, uh, Read, well, just read, just read, ask your question. I will make them the synagogue of Satan, those who say they are Jews but are not, but do lie. And then the other verse, uh, Romans two twenty nine: a true Jew is one whose heart has been circumcised by God. Okay, well, first of all, Re- Revelation 3, 9 is not even talking about Jewish people. It's talking about the Gentiles who thought you had to be circumcised to be saved. And they, they said they had converted to Judaism. And so it says in Revelation 3, 9, they are the synagogue of Satan because of their heresy, uh, uh, their heterodoxy in saying that you have to be circumcised. Uh, Gentiles would need to be circumcised to be saved. And so he says, I will take those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews but are not. That's talking about Gentiles who, because of circumcision, thought they were Jews but they were not. And they were teaching that uh, that legalism. Uh, secondly, Ro- Romans two twenty eight and twenty nine is talking about who are the truest Jews. Well, Jews who are ethnically Jewish are Jewish, but the truest Jews are both ethnically and spiritually Jewish. Meaning, the truest Jews are people like Wendy and myself, Jewish followers of Jesus. We are the truest Jews because we not only are ethnically Jewish, we are also spiritually related to the king of the Jews, Jesus. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Don't go away. Welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Welcome back to Israel. To Israel? No, to Open Line. We're talking with a lot of questions about Israel today. This is uh, time now for the FEBC mailbag. Uh, And, uh, uh, you know, the FEBC has a worldwide outreach. It's just a phenomenal organization that brings the gospel to places that we could never reach. And we're so grateful for FEBC partnering with us. If you want to get a deeper perspective on how the gospel is reaching unreached countries, through their week, uh, what you can do is listen to their weekly podcast. It's called "Until All Have Heard," and it's uh, uh, with Ed Cannon, the president of FEBC. If you want to find out about this and uh, their podcast and everything else about their extensive outreach, just go to febc.org. That's febc.org, Far Eastern Broadcasting Company. And uh, uh, joining me right now is Courtney Young. She's got the mailbag. She's standing in with the mailbag for Trish McMillan. Hey, Court. Hello. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, uh, we saw, I, how long have you worked with OpenLine as, as our engineer? Um, for five and a half years. Yeah, and now I, I just feel like the, uh, how do I put it? The, the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> Why do you want to leave Why me? Why do you want to leave me? Yeah. I don't, so. Michael. I do not want to leave you. I really uh, don't. This is the hardest Then don't part. get married. What okay, are you doing? Married. Getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Where are your priorities? Keep uh, your Saturday so, job. You're so funny. So, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> you know you're kidding, well, but like yeah. secretly you're not. I get it. And no, that no, make, no. And I'm that not, makes I me feel kidding. really good though to be missed. Yeah. So <laughs> trust me, I, I get what you're getting at. So thank yeah. you. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you're getting married. Thanks. But uh, you'll come back. You'll come. Oh, back. I you'll will. Bring your husband here. I know you'll come back. Yeah. Hey, and I'm not really uh, leaving. 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 I'll still be doing a whole bunch of stuff for the show. We just won't yeah. be face to face anymore doing it. So. That's so you're gonna. You're not gonna be on Saturday mornings, but we'll be doing the Bible study yep, moment we'll, for I'll our still be doing that. partners. Yep. And we'll be doing all sorts of stuff together. And I really do appreciate the partnership that we've had. This is the thing that makes Open Line, I think, for me, really special. People ask me all the time about what a great team we have, and we really do. Uh, and and you know, Trish and you, and uh, we have the the students usually coming in to screen calls. And Gabby sits in whenever Trish is away. It seems like, and we've got a great team of people that work together on open line. Uh, people always tell me how much they like it when Eva's on the program. She's part of the team. Eva, my wife, and she's the one that, when, even when she's not on the program, she, she's a teammate because she, send, she texts me the answers to the questions when, when she's not on. So all these reasons, I just love the teamwork. And one of the best uh, part of teamwork is we have listeners who are part of the team. They are people who believe that the program has encouraged them, helped them, and they have become kitchen table partners to become part of the team. And I'm so grateful for the generosity of these people who give monthly to Open Line so we can stay on the air weekly. My friend, William Washington, the Vice President, Dean of Student Life, Dr. William Washington, he's, uh, he's really challenged us. He said, we'd like to see uh, the kitchen table. We want to double the impact of this program, and the way to do that is double the number of kitchen table partners so we're we're right around 600 right now. We started with this at around 500, and so by next September, we're hoping for a thousand kitchen table partners. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But I'll tell you who I would like to become a kitchen table partner. If you listen, and this program has been an encouragement to you uh, spiritually, your understanding of the scriptures, your walk with the Lord, would you really consider becoming a kitchen table partner? Uh, and when you do, every other week. I'll send you a Bible study moment. It's an audio Bible study designed exclusively for our kitchen table partners. Uh, I uh, write it or speak it, record it with uh, Court. She sets it, she puts the music on it, makes it sound nice, and uh, then we send it out to you every other week. And it's it's just a few minutes of a Bible study insight that I think that uh, would be a real encouragement to you. Become a kitchen table partner by calling. 888-644-7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org and we are going to go uh, right now you have the mailbag there what questions are we going to what we're going to take well our first one is from Gary in Tennessee listening on WMBW um, he says i was reading the words of Amos and Jeremiah recently Israel was pulled out of their land by the Romans after these words were written. Um, I can read the passages, too, if you want. When, no, it's okay. Okay. When will these and many more similar prophecies be fulfilled? I'm right. Am I right to suspect we cannot know this is done until Jesus returns? Yeah. Well, it seems to me that we are in the end of days return of the Jewish people because of Isaiah 11, where it says that I will regather the Jewish people a second time. Uh, now, the reason I think that is the first time was the regathering from Babylon. Therefore, the second time would be, I think that's so interesting because 
what Isaiah is talking about a dispersion that had not yet happened a second time before the end of days. And so I think that what we have seen, now I can't guarantee that, but that seems to me that this is the end of days regathering. The Jewish people would return before they believe in Jesus because it only talks about events in the land, like in Daniel 9, uh, Zechariah 12. Events in the land that take place during the tribulation period is what brings the Jewish people to believe in Jesus. But when can we see the assurance that they will never be pulled out of their land again? It's when the nation has believed in Jesus and the kingdom has begun and Jesus is reigning on the throne. And that's when it says, they shall no more be pulled up from their land, which I have given them. Amos 9.15. It's the fulfillment of the land covenant that God gave to Abraham. Okay? All right. Great. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Gary. Um, Walter in Tennessee, listening on WFCM, um, asks, the Jewish people saw so many supernatural events while being led out of Egypt and afterwards, but time and time again, they turned away from God. Why? He says, I want to believe I would have responded differently. And I concur with Walter. I want to believe that I would have too, you know, but why was it that they saw all these things and yet still turned away? What was up? Okay. I was having a disagreement with someone and he was saying, well, Jewish people are just stiff necked. (laughs) Because the Bible says they're stiff-necked. And I said, do you think Jewish people, this is my answer to him, do you think Jewish people are stiff-necked because they're Jewish or because they're human? Hmm. What do you think, Gordon? (laughs) Uh, Human? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I often think about all the other peoples that God could have chosen. You know, what if he had chosen the French? What if he had chosen uh, the British? What if he had chosen Americans uh, do you think we would have been less stiff-necked than the Jewish people? Probably not, but we'd like no, to think we think were, so. you know, but we that's only because like we have it. hindsight of theirs, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then it makes me think about uh, questions like this. I think, well, has God been faithful to us? I've been a believer now 51 years, okay, 51 and a half years. Awesome. Yeah, it is. God's been really faithful. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Do you know what? I haven't always been faithful and true. I have disbelieved. I have doubted. I have struggled. I, I, you know, you get a bad diagnosis and you say, God, where are you? And you wonder. And no matter how faithful God has been, we tend to struggle. Uh, That's not because I'm Jewish, like the people that Walter is writing about. It's because I'm human. Right. And I have a feeling, Walter, that you would have had the same struggles the Jewish people did. I think, Courtney, you would have liked to believe that you wouldn't, but guess what? Probably would. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? I know I would. So uh, I think it's really important to understand that God is really gracious with us when we struggle, just like he was gracious with Israel and he was gracious with us. Uh I, I, when people say, are you a person of faith? I say, yeah, just like the man who said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Yeah. That's my, that's the best I come at being a person of faith. Okay. So good. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you want to do, uh, yeah, let's yeah. do one more. Let's do Albert's question. Okay. Albert, he left us a voicemail. Um, he says, uh, is Jesus the father or just the son of God? Uh, he is God the Son, <laughs> so not, not son. God the Father. And as such, he's called the Son of God. Uh, but he's God the Son. He is not the Father, but he is equally God. He is fully God. He is 
uh, th- there are three persons, one essence of God. So there's only one God, but there's God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One of the mistakes that people make is they read Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, it's a passage in the Old Testament about the deity of Jesus. And it says, unto son is born, unto us child is given, and his, the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, or Everlasting Father is what most English versions say, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when they see that Everlasting Father phrase, they say, oh, is the Son the Father? That's a misunderstanding of that name. Here's why. It really says in Hebrew, Father of Eternity. Mm. So think about this. Uh, when, when, uh, when we say that George Washington is the father of our country, what does it mean? He was the one that helped establish founder, founder the founder father. of yeah. our country. That's what it means, right? And uh, when it says that Jesus is the father of eternity or the father of time. Founder. <laughs> the founder, the yeah. author, the creator of time. It doesn't mean that he's the father. It means that he is the creator of time. That's what it means. Excellent. So, okay. Good stuff. And then let's say... I said I would do seven, so let's uh, oh, real quick. Let's take Christine. Yeah. Christine in Ohio on WCRF asks, is the book of Enoch a real book? We are studying, studying the Nephilim, and that book is mentioned as a reference. The book of Enoch is a real book, but it's not a true book. And uh, I wouldn't waste any time looking at it. It's not, it wasn't in the Bible, shouldn't be in the Bible, doesn't help us with the Bible. Uh, don't waste any time with it. Uh, it's real. But I don't even. I'm not even convinced that the modern versions that we have of right, it really, really reflect the ones that that uh, ancient times that were from the intertestamental period. Uh, and don't listen. There's very little to be said about the Nephilim. People love studying Genesis six and wondering about the Nephilim. It means fallen ones that the earth had become corrupt, and the, it doesn't mean giants like fee fi fo fum. It means fallen ones. It's the corruption of the earth, and it happened when the godly line of Cain, I'm sorry, the godly line of Seth and the fallen line of Cain married, intermarried, and they created powerful people uh, who were called Nephilim, fallen ones. And that's why God then caused the flood to judge the earth. So anyway, that's... Did Jesus quote the book of Enoch? Uh, Jude does. Jude does. The book of Jude does. Uh, But... uh, it's not, probably not even the same book. The one that the version yeah. we have today is probably not the one that yeah. we. So it's a, it's a real book, but it's not yeah. part of the Bible as a. Yeah, and it's not even just because he quoted it didn't mean he was quoting it as a scripture. Yeah. He just had one little thing that was true. Yeah, like I might uh, quote from I once quoted from a psychologist in a sermon. A, per, a person came up to me and said, "You should never quote a psychologist." And I said, "Hey." That one thing that person said is true. Right. It's okay. There's legitimate so. stuff, but it can't be reliable as a whole, is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's it. Cool. So. Well, thank you. Okay. Thanks. So We're going to take a break here. Thanks, Courtney, for putting this together. Thank as you. we, uh, Court, I hope I hope we get to do this again. Yep. Looking forward to Me it. Me too. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, when's your last week? Next week? Two more weeks. Two more weeks. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to miss you, Courtney. You did a great job all these years. We love you. We're going to come right back with more of your questions right here on Open Line with Courtney Young and Michael Rydelnik. Stay right there.
Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Ray Delnick. I've had a great day studying the scriptures with you. I appreciate all the questions about Israel. Uh, I do think that maybe you should take a look at that book, uh, the Moody Publishers book. Uh, it's called Understanding the Arab-Israeli Conflict, What the Headlines Haven't Told You. I know that it's been a few years since it's been updated, so it leaves out everything about the recent years in Gaza and Hamas, but it's, Hamas is mentioned in there, and you need to know about it. And so really want to encourage you. Uh, it's it's a good book. It will give you a lot of background about the the people of Israel, the land of Israel, uh, and the conflict that exists there. So uh, we're going to go right back to the phones now. Uh, Carla uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, listening to WGNB. Welcome to Open Line. Carla, how can I help you? Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I just wondered if you could help me clear up um, a discussion we've been having with our kids about women in the or women as pastors in the church. Um, we have a son that is getting married, and he and his fiance have been discussing this, and um, it's just been kind of muddy. And so I just wondered mm-hmm. if you could help clear that up for us. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say, women have a great role in congregations. They need to just as be they're they're participating and serving God. And that's that's really good. I I don't want to in any way think that women shouldn't be involved in ministry or serving God. Uh, it seems to me, and there's differences of opinion. This is not a core issue. There are believers who disagree about this, and so I'm going to say I believe in what's called complementarian approach, that uh, men and women complement each other, and part of the men's ro- role is to lead in the local church. Uh, as pastors, elders, uh, overseers, whatever term you want to use, we, we've got those terms used in the Bible. Uh, the reason I say that is First Timothy 2.11, where it says, uh, a woman should learn quietly with, with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to be quiet. For Adam was created first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. The context here is what's a woman's role, and he says, I don't allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. What he is talking about there is the elder leadership of the congregation. He's not talking about that women can't teach Sunday school class. It's talking about the authoritative proclamation of the word that you get on the uh, on the Sunday service uh, or the worship service. Uh, and uh, it's the authoritative proclamation of the word. doesn't mean a woman can't lead a home group. Uh, the reason I say that is I know Priscilla and Aquila pr- taught privately in a small group with Apollos. Uh, it doesn't mean a woman has to be absolutely silent because in 1 Corinthians it talks about women preaching and praying in the worship service. Not preaching, praying and prophesying in, a, in the worship service. And so th- I think this is just talking about authoritative proclamation of the word and s- functioning as an elder. Some people want to say that's cultural because Timothy was in Ephesus where the temple of Diana was and there was a, a real dominance of women, so it was just like a local prohibition. But he gives two reasons. One is the order of creation, verse 13, and the second is the... The, the deception of the woman, the woman was deceived. That's not talking women are more gullible. It's just saying, look what happened when Eve 
uh, didn't follow the uh, or, or ordained authority structures, and there was terrible consequences. Uh, so it seems to me that this passage is giving us uh, some clear guidance that w- in terms of the role of elder, I think that's where I would put it, uh, that that's, uh, that's where God wants men to step up. But let me tell you, women, men have failed many times. Women have stepped up and served God. That's why I think the modern missions movement was mostly women who stepped up and served God and brought the gospel to the nations. Women can have the gift of pastor, but they just shouldn't hold the office of elder, in my opinion. Uh, when I was a pastor, very there was a dear older woman than I. I was a young pastor. Uh, whenever there was a situation that needed women needed pastoral care, I just turned them over. I said, oh, you're going to need to talk to this dear woman, and she would take care of it. Uh, and I, I just uh, I just feel like that's that's so crucial. So I hope that helps. Uh, that's that's where I, I think it is. is. Is there any follow-up you have on that? I only have about a minute, Carla. Yeah, I think that that's good. Yep. Yeah. We had dug now, into the First Timothy passage and um, kind of thought that that's maybe where it was at. Can I just assure you about something? If your kids disagree with you, don't make that a big fight, okay? No, they're kind of disagreeing with each other, actually. I see. Okay. Well, the thing I'm just trying to say is it's not a core issue of the Bible. It's not like the deity of Jesus. It's not uh, that Jesus died for us and rose again, like the resurrection is a core issue. If one of your kids was disagreeing with the other about whether Jesus was alive, then you got issues. This is a secondary Absolutely. issue, okay? That uh, I just want to keep the peace in the family, okay? So, yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad. All right, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, can you believe it? That's the program for the week. Uh, the fastest two hours of my life. So grateful for all of you who listened and for all of you who called. Thanks for making this program possible. And uh, as always... Thank you, uh, Gabby, for sitting in for Trish and Court for all your technical help for the last five and a half years, not just today. And uh, also, Josie, for answering the phones. Remember, keep in touch with us by going to our website, openlineradio.org. It's got a place for our current resource, also how to become a kitchen table partner and how to get the chosen people resource. Anything you're looking for, you'll find it there. Keep reading the Bible, and we'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Radelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Have a great week.